Did you know only 9% of construction business owners make more than $200,000 a year? We believe your business should make your life better. We work with construction business owners to systemize their cash flow, workflow, and crew so they can become involved but not required. Have a listen to our podcast if you want to be in control of your business and your life. If you want to get there faster, go to involvedbutnotrequired.com. So, yeah, if you, yeah, the the theory that I'm going to keep on using, that the concept I'm going to keep coming back to is the risk that, the, the most common risk that we'll see, there's lots of others, but let's just pretend for the sake of argument that there's one, one mistake. So, you know, you guys sign up to a contract that's a significant leap, you know, a quantum leap ahead. Um, it's, you know, twice as big as anything you have done before. Um, and there was a surprise, something you didn't know about, and it's going to cost you a bomb to do it. In that scenario, do you keep on working until you work yourself into bankruptcy? Or you just go, we're just going to walk away from this project. We just can't do it. There's no point in, in sinking ourselves. If you've done that in good faith as a director, then they can't come after you. They can only um, come after the company. Now, the other relationships that a company then typically has will be employees and under Australian law, there's a whole lot of obligations to employees that a company has, you know, like paying super, making sure you deduct tax, um, accruing leave. Uh, the ATO is getting far more aggressive on tax, and we'll come to that later, where directors can become liable for PAYG tax, superannuation, and even GST if you haven't paid it as a business. But only under very specific circumstances, and it's not too hard to avoid. Um, the other one is then, Suppliers or contractors? These guys are easy. They are a business-to-business relationship. They are big and bad enough to take care of themselves, as are you. So the only one you really have an obligation to there is employees. Now, often when we start off, um, we are wearing all of the hats. We are the sole shareholders. We are the sole director. Early days, we might be the sole employee. Um, you're going to have employer, uh, you're going to have supplier and uh, contractor agreements in place. But, you know, most of the hats are all going to be you. But you've got to remember that all legislation is written as if you are combat. Right? Um, something to touch on briefly there is if you ever look to have additional shareholders in, you can have different types of shares. Again, this is just to give you guys all the knowledge. There's different classes of shares. And you can make shares in your company do whatever you want. Typically, you'll see when you do a company search, you'll have ORD, ordinary class of shares. You might uh, create, you know, a typical shelf company will have two $1 shares. I like to always have at least 10,000 shares at like, you know, if you're going to make it for for $100, you just go, well, they're 10 cents each or 1 cents each or 0.001 cents. doesn't matter how little the shares are worth. It just makes it easier to divide up if you want to bring in minority shareholders later. Um, ordinary shares, you know, one share, one vote, all that sort of thing. You can have class A shares where one share equals 100 votes. These might be one share equals one vote. You know, Zuckerberg on Facebook. 
the only shares that have voting rights are his. <laughs> no other share type that you buy on the, I don't know what it's this one, I think it's the, the NASDAQ or the, US, or the New York Stock Exchange. You can buy shares, but you can't vote. Zuckerberg controls Facebook, even though he doesn't own the majority of it. Yeah, there's, um, I think it's Westfield listed, and the only thing you get is dividends. You don't get voting rights. Um, no, actually, they didn't even give you dividend rights. That's right. All you got was capital gains from it. So you can go, look, you know, we're going to create a, a class Z share um, and you can get no voting rights and no dividend rights. You can make them whatever you want. You know, that's a case of going, anyone who buys these is buying them or you're giving them to them on the assumption that one day the company will be able to be sold for value. Otherwise, those shares are absolutely worthless. They can't do anything with them. So you can create any different types of class of shares that you want. There are different classes of shareholders. There's only one class of directors. You can't have different types of directors. All right. So uh, has anyone got any questions on that? No, hoping that we're not jumping into the difficult stuff yet. Cool. Some of the things, uh, and it's hard to, I, I'm gonna cover a range of topics. I've put them down in, in a list. I've tried to make them make sense as we go, um, but just bear with me if you go, hang on, how does that relate to here? It's, trying to cover it all in an order that makes sense. I thought I'll cover, um, we talked about contractor or supplier arrangements. That's versus employees. Now the ATO freaking hates construction, hates us. But um, their industry is full of what they call sham contracting. Sham contracting is any time you use a subcontractor who they say in reality should be an employee. And we've gone through this once before when we looked at it, where we said, right, what are the different types? And you know, it's got to pass the smell test, but it's got to be, you know, can they assign their work to someone else? Can they uh, choose how and when they do the work? Are they paid on a fixed price? Do they supply their own tools and uniform? You know, those are, are the main sort of things that they're looking at when is this person an employee or are they really a contractor? So if you hire someone and say, do this cladding, I'm going to give you five grand. I don't care how you do it, who you do it, as long as you come up and do it in this time frame. Use your own tools, use your own guys. If you want to give it to your other mate and give him four grand, that's fine. Definitely a contracting arrangement. When you get someone in and you just go, right, you don't want to be an employee, you're going to be a subby. I'm going to pay you 40 bucks an hour and you're going to do it. I want you to do this side first. No, don't do it like that, do it like this. You, even if they use their own tools and you don't supply uniforms, you are giving them clear direction and con you're in control of that project. It's almost certainly going to be determined to be an employee-employer arrangement if it was ever tested. Now, what that means is, like we've talked about in the past, the risk you run there is, I've shown you that hourly rate sheet where $40 per hour as a subby used to equal roughly 27.50 per hour as an employee. Now, I know we did cover this in hourly rates, but again, if you hire this person as a subby, 
for years, you know, you got them for three years. You never pay them annual leave. You never pay them sick leave. You never pay work cover um, or super because you've deemed them to be a subcontractor. Um, you may pay super, that's fine. But if you haven't paid annual leave, sick leave, public holidays, et cetera, and they decide at the end to go to fair work and say, actually, I was an employee, um, they will almost certainly be found, yes, they are. Um, and you will then have to back pay all their you know, annual leave. So um, annual leave for three years, which is going to be 12 weeks at the full 40 bucks an hour, not at the 2750 you should have paid. So you've already paid them for that. You've already paid them for all the um, public holidays because that's why they get paid so much more than your employees is because they're covered for all those times when they're not working. You risk having all of that paid again if they're in a sham, if they're found to be in a sham contract arrangement. Now, I don't believe it ever happened to us that it, we ever anyone actually did it, but it is a risk that you need to be aware of because all of this is about mitigating risk. It's about planning for the worst and then hoping for the best. So you've got to know what can happen and be ready to prevent that. Easiest way to do it, as we looked at, is simply have them also be a proprietary limited company. Solves the problem. Okay. If they are a proprietary limited company, um, you don't have any risk of that happening. Um, you, the next thing I'm going to talk about is a natural person. If you ever look at not so much legislation, but guides and things from the ATO, you'll hear this term natural person pop up occasionally. A natural person means that you're a human being. Simple as that. The important thing to know about that is realistically, a company in the eyes of the law is also a person. Has the same rights, responsibilities, liabilities as a person. But they're not a natural person. 